Have you ever wanted to win a Grand Slam? I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's definitely one of my craziest dreams. Well, if you do, I have some tips to at least get to the final. And what would they be? To make sure to either tear an important muscle or stay home without touching a tennis court for half a month before the Grand Slam. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Josefina and Shravya. Shravya and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Josefina and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics, united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the young female voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. So we're back with another, yet another Australian Open episode. I think we're coming up on 10, maybe 50 at this point. We can't really even tell. (laughs) But we are coming near the end of the Australian Open, finally. I mean, this thing has lasted so long because of all the stuff that led up to it. I feel like it's lasted a really long time, but I also feel like the rounds have gone by super quickly. It's really just, I think, between the semifinals and the end of the finals that's being the most agonizing because you don't, for us at least, the matches don't start till 3.30 in the morning, and then it's one match per day, and we only had one semifinal yesterday, which was just the Djokovic, um, sorry, which was just the Tsitsipas Medvedev one. So it's kind of like, at the end stages, their matches are so spaced out that it feels like we're really so close to being done, but not yet. You know, I kind of want to know the results, but also this tournament has been so fun to cover. And as you said, all the drama at the beginning of it with the two-week quarantine was also fun. So it's definitely been a a, a hectic month, but um, definitely worthwhile. So we wanted to highlight one hot headline before we go into tennis talk, which is that Arena Sabalenka and Elise Mertens won the Australian Open women's doubles title, which is very exciting. They went in as the second seeds. They defeated the number three seeds, Krajcikova and Siniakova, 6-2, 6-3 in the final. And this is their second Grand Slam doubles title, although they will be winding down their doubles partnership now. Um because Sabalenka wants to focus more on her singles matches and conserve energy in those tournaments. Um, Mertens said that that's totally fine by me. Mertens is a player who just likes to play a lot of matches, so she's she always likes being in both draws, but Sabalenka kind of wants to save her energy for the singles. But they will still play together in some 500 and 1,000 level events, which is also pretty exciting. So we're not losing this uh, duo just yet. And with this one, they're going to move up all the way to the top of the women's doubles ranking. So that's pretty big. And I'm pretty sure they won the Lens tournament, didn't they, last year? So And then we saw that um, the jumping in the air photo, the signature. They did that again for the Australian Open, too. So that's, yeah, that's definitely become their trademark. Josefina and I are also avid doubles players, actually. We, We partner up with each other a lot, and... In our tennis class, it's kind of funny because we tend to do pretty well in our doubles matches. So we end up playing two coaches each week, which is always fun. And Josefina and I, it's always a really like funny experience. But like each week, we get closer and closer to getting more games off them. We've never won, of course. But um, no, 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 that's gonna change this week. Yeah, Don't worry we're gonna about try it. to change that and channel some of Arita and Elise's energy into our doubles match. 
Okay, so we're entering finals weekend. Very exciting. Not finals as in tests or exams, because that's not exciting, but finals as in the Australian Open finals. And we're going to basically talk about each of the four finalists, uh, some takeaways from their semifinal match, and kind of how they're looking going into the final uh, this weekend. So starting off with the WTA, let's hit it off with our first finalist, who I don't think... Well, I mean, it's not that unexpected, but, like, it's really exciting that she's through. Well, it, the thing is that she was one of our, quote-unquote, dark horses from the beginning to make it to the final. So it's pretty cool that we were actually right about that one. So this is Jennifer Brady that we're talking about. And she proved when she defeated Muhova that pressure isn't a problem for her. She won 6-4, 3-6, 6-4. And Muntrova has been known for her comebacks in this tournament, coming back from 0-4 to four and 0-5 to five deficits versus top seeds like Elise Mertens and Karolina Pliskova. And she had the chance for that comeback when Brady served Wigan in the second set, but Brady was able to pull through and she said, I came out a little strange today. I was super excited, but at the same time, pretty flat-footed. My legs felt fresh, but at the same time, were not moving. I felt like I was stuck in mud. I didn't pick up my intensity until the beginning of the third set. So it's good that she was able to use this match as a learning experience, even though she did win going into the final. Yeah, and it's also pretty impressive because Jennifer Brady has only been in the deep stages of a slam once before, and she's kind of matched that back-to-back with these two hardcourt slams. So she's doing a great job of, um, understandably, there were some nerves, as she said so herself, um, being the first, since it was the first semifinal she's played in front of, Grand Slam semi she's played in front of fans. She said, I think it added a little bit of extra nerves, a little bit of extra pressure, just wanting to perform well in front of people. Also, I was thinking a little bit about the celebration and hearing everyone applauding. I think maybe I lost a little bit of focus that I had before, maybe with no fans. So I think for all the players, all four of these, it's kind of good that they had, like, their semifinal match in front of fans so that they're not kind of, you know, totally surprised by it in the final, kind yeah, of get kind back of into that groove. Yeah, but for Brady specifically, since this is still pretty new territory for her, not necessarily unexpected given her form, I think it's pretty impressive that she's kind of um handling the pressure well obviously a grand slam final is a whole different ball game but so far she's looking in a great place and you know there was uh one moment in the last game where you know of the match that brady actually thought that she had won the whole match but then realized that her backhand was actually long um and it took her five match points to finally win so muhova definitely gave her a fight for that that must have been very nerve-wracking knowing you're just a point away from your first ever Grand Slam final, Um, but Jennifer Brady definitely pulled through. And then looking forward into the final, I mean, Brady has come such a long way having completed the hard quarantine before this Grand Slam, and it's amazing how she was able to speak out about how she used it to her advantage, actually, which no one thought was possible, considering they're basically stuck in a room without any way to really exercise their tennis muscles and practice on the court for two weeks before a grand slam and now she's at the final it's pretty crazy 
Yeah, and we talked about that a little bit last episode, how she had a really great attitude about it. She kind of used it as a mental break, which was a mental and physical break, which obviously helped. Um, And, you know, going into this specific match versus obviously Naomi Osaka, who we're going to talk about in just a bit, we remember their last meeting at the U.S. Open. Uh, Osaka ended up winning 7-6-3-6-6-3. But, I mean... It was a very well-fought match from both of the players, and Brady showed that she has what it takes to challenge her. Osaka said, It's easily one of my most memorable matches. I think it was just super high quality throughout. I agree. Um, I remember watching that match, and it was you know, very exciting and some high-quality tennis there. And Naomi went on to say, for me, it's not really surprising at all to see her in another semi or another final. And I think that that's also very true. I mean, Jennifer has won nine of her last ten matches, and she really has, you know, dominated uh, these past few months, especially on the hard courts. Um, And, you know, before last year, she hadn't been past the round of 16 at a slam, and now she seems to be a regular. Um, We talked about this a little bit during the U.S. Open, and I think in our WTA season recap episode, um, she kind of revamped her team and her trainers early last year. She spent some time trading in Germany as well, um, and that seems to have really benefited her. She said, quote, I had a bit of a temper as a kid, wasn't really mentally the toughest, so I think it's actually funny if you ever watch her play. Sometimes when she misses a shot, she'll just like scream, "Oh, Jen!" And it's so funny. Like and then I don't she know. Did that, um, she did that thing where um, I forgot who she was playing. I'm pretty sure it was versus Pagula that she just kind of slumped and started walking, like squatting, yes. <laughs> squat walking. <laughs> She's then, definitely very uh, like. Gifable is 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 that a, is that a term I can use? Gifable, um, like you know, people. I think it's more like memeable. Well, yeah, I mean, she's memeable, but I think, you know, it's just like some of her. You sometimes you just need the gift to capture like, the entire. There's because there's photogenic. I guess she's like meme genic, gif genic. But in the best way. Oh my god. Oh my god. If you haven't seen the Shady Brady WTA <gasps> oh, yes. Instagram page, you need to go check that out. That it is, is some of the funniest stuff ever. Um, but anyway, back to what Brady was saying. She then, about her kind of uh, improvement mentally, she said, I think that has kind of just shifted my whole career, just being able to stay in tough moments, close out tough matches, just fight my way back regardless of the score. So, you know, until this uh, final, she has had yet to face another, uh, or I believe semifinal, yet to face another top 25 player. Um, so, you know, she did have some tricky matches, but a relatively... Uh, easier draw than maybe Osaka did but nevertheless like um a good job for Brady for pulling through and a cute little well cute fun interesting however you want to put it little anecdote is that um Osaka and Brady first played each other um in a 50k ITF event in Texas in 2014 so uh Brady ended up winning that match but on reflecting when she was reflecting on it she said I was like, wow, she hits the ball huge. She's going to be good. I mean, I was like, okay, she's got something special about Naomi Osaka. And, well, Jennifer Brady was right. And, I mean, looking back, 2014, then Osaka was like, what, 16 years old? Basically our yeah, age? Yeah, exactly. That's pretty crazy. Um. So, and then also Brady said, I think on Saturday I'll definitely be nervous 100%, but there is no hiding it. I just have to embrace it and enjoy the moment. So, like we said about the Muhova um semifinal, 
leading up to it, she's been learning to deal with the pressure, especially with the fans now, kind of warming up to having them in the stands. And, I mean, Osaka has been to three finals in Grand Slams, and Brady has been to none. So maybe this lack of experience will come as an advantage to Osaka, especially considering Osaka has been to two Grand Slam finals that were when we had full-fledged fans. So she might be used to the crowd and the noise. Yeah, and not just that, just like the nerves and the pressure of being in the slam. It could either, you know, um, you know, get to Brady and be and hurt her, or also she could kind of go into it being like she has less to lose in a way. So um, it's unclear how to see, but, you know, nerves will definitely be a factor here um, and their mentalities because they're both in pretty different positions going into this. So about Naomi Osaka, um, she has extended her match win streak to 20 matches after her semifinal win. And as we know, going into this final, she's undefeated in Grand Slam final. She's actually undefeated in slams once she reaches the quarterfinal stage. So um, we know that she really brings it as the tournament gets deeper and deeper. Um, see, she defeated her idol, Serena Williams, 6-3-6-4 um, in the semis. And we're going to talk about this match a little bit because this was definitely what a lot of people were anticipating and then there was a lot of talk about it afterwards so the match definitely started a bit nervy for Naomi she got down pretty quickly to love in the first set and Serena had points for a three love double break lead um but Naomi was able to save that game and then kind of after that she immediately settled in pretty much immediately picked up her level as we often see her do and throughout the match she won 85 percent of her first serve points and fired 20 winners so she played a very clean, very impressive match. Although Serena definitely was not on her total A game. She did have a, quite a few unforced errors and not a great match from her either. But um, Osaka was able to fight through kind of as we've seen throughout this tournament and play, you know, her brand of tennis. And then after the match, we had that um, farewell wave from Serena Williams, which brought a lot of talk to um, her career and how it's looking going forward and when Williams was asked about it whether it was the her final goodbye or farewell of some sort she said I don't know if I ever say farewell I wouldn't tell anyone and then a reporter then asked her a question about her unforced errors during the match and she said I don't know I'm done and then she started tearing up and her voice was cracking so it was definitely emotional yeah and just to clarify when she said I'm done she didn't mean that she's like done with tennis or done with their career she meant that she after saying that she got up and immediately left the press conference so she meant that she was done with her uh press conference I think that it's a little confusing when we read that quote out alone but um definitely an emotional press conference from her and then later she had an Instagram post saying, Today was not an ideal outcome or performance, but it happens. I am so honored to be able to play in front of you all. Your support, your cheers. I only wish I could have done better for you today. I am in f- I am forever in debt and grateful to each and every single one of you. I love you, I love you, I love you, I adore you. And then more tears from us. From, from yeah, from us. Because <laughs> it was sweet. A lot of people were saying, you know, like, oh my god, is Serena's career over? Blah, blah, blah. That No, that's not that's not what's happening. That's not I think what's it was happening she, whatsoever. Yeah, like, she, at, at the US Open, too, and here, she's been playing some of her best tennis in a while. She's shown that she, I mean, she just beat Sabalenka and Halep back-to-back. 
you know, she was playing really strong in this Australian Open. She just had that one bad match against Naomi. She wasn't playing her best there, but I she's nowhere near from gone. And, I mean, she's human. People don't realize how much pressure she's had to get that 24, like, that huge number in her face com- all the time. It's just, that's pressure, and any human would break down from that, and it makes sense that she was emotional during this press conference. And also, I saw on Twitter, um, the, actually, Missing Shot podcast, a Missing the Shot podcast, they actually tweeted something that I actually really agreed with. They said that whenever they talk about Federer and Nadal or Djokovic's accomplishments, they talk about what they've already accomplished and how they're already legends in the sport. With Serena, it seems like there's always that, like, double standard set up there, but, like, oh, she's not exceptional until she reaches that number 24, and people are always kind of looking at that perspective, and so there is but always that She has nothing to prove. She needs to exactly. realize that she is already the greatest of all time. There's no going back yeah. on what she's already accomplished. Naomi said um, also about Serena, I want her to play forever. That's the little kid in me. But yeah, so it it, it must be definitely a weird experience playing your idol um, on court. Um, but I mean, I would agree with Naomi. It would be pretty awesome for Serena Williams to keep playing forever too because she's such a legend. But um, definitely a hard-fought tournament from her. And... You know, looking into this final match for Osaka, though, she's been the dominating force on the hard courts and the best player in the world at the moment, for sure. I mean, aside from the rankings, who cares about the rankings? But that's just how it is. And, I mean, going into the Australian Open, we also noted that Osaka is the player to beat. Um, Josefina, you even picked her as who you think was going to win the whole thing, and you're pretty close to being correct. I mean, if she wins tomorrow, um, or today, I guess, um you know, she's going to be a four-time Grand Slam champion. So definitely a big chance there for that. And Osaka also knows that she has to bring it in the final, and she knows how to. She said, quote, I only played in three of them, meaning three Grand Slam finals. For me, I have this mentality that people don't remember the runners-up. You might be the winners. Um, you might, sorry, you might, but the winner's name is the one that's engraved. I think I fight the hardest in finals. That's where you set yourself apart. That's like pretty awesome mentality honestly like so that's like what a champion would say and I think that mentality has worked out for her because you know she has battled through especially in the later rounds of slam so um so hard and has really brought her best tennis there we also know that she's played some crazy grand slam finals matches in the past really all of them with all the controversy surrounding the one in the 2018 u.s open her um, three-setter versus Kvitova at the 2019 Australian Open, and of course her big comeback win just uh, recently at the, well, not really recently, but um, at the 2020 US Open. So she knows how to play here. And also it's important to note that going into this final, Osaka has definitely faced higher quality, higher ranked opponents than Brady, like going here. And this could definitely give her an edge because... It's, I mean, definitely more preparation going into this match, more pressure knowing that you're playing someone that can beat you. So it's definitely a lot of preparation going into this final like any other. And all in all, Osaka's form just seems unstoppable at this moment. She can dictate and she can dig deep and problem solve during her matches. So definitely the player to beat even in the final. Yeah, I mean, just to 
go back to their semifinal match at the U.S. Open briefly. I mean, Brady is someone who is fearless and also brings that competitor's attitude to the court. So, again, depending on how she deals with the nerves and with the occasion, um, and also physically, but all they both seem pretty physically fit, um, she could definitely push Naomi. This is a honestly a really exciting matchup. I think both of us are big fans of both of these players and are really happy to see both of them succeeding. Obviously, this is more recent success for Brady. Naomi's kind of been dominating for the past few years now. I would give Naomi the edge, but I'm looking forward to a really great match in this because um, I think it's going to be a good one. Completely agreed. So now we're going to move into the ATP or men's side of things. Talking about the first finalist, I mean, Novak Djokovic definitely had some stuff to say that really um, opens up about how he feels going into this match. Definitely a bit confident. When does Djokovic not have, when does Djokovic not have stuff to say, though? This is, like, this is true. Has there ever been a moment where he doesn't? <laughs> you know That's no wait, you know when yeah. he doesn't have stuff to say he doesn't he doesn't have stuff to say when it's two days after he says he tore his abdominal muscle and then two days later a reporter asks him how your abdominal is doing and he says i don't want to talk about it that's when he doesn't have anything to say <laughs> i don't want to um, talk about but it basically, enough about that <laughs> yeah um i mean in the middle of the tournament, we had a lot of question marks surrounding Djokovic about this injury, but that all seems to have faded now. He's looking physically fit, which is good because we don't want, you know, we want both players to be, you know, healthy for the, a final match. But Djokovic said um, after his semifinal match um, when he was asked about, you know, playing the the rise of, like, the next generation in tennis because he would be either playing Medvedev or Tsitsipas, um, he said, pressure is always there. It's what we do. Everyone talks about the new generation coming over, coming and taking over us, but realistically, that isn't happening still. We can talk about it all day, but with all my respect to the other guys, they still have a lot of work to do. I'm not going to stand here and hand it over to them. I'm going to make them work their ass off for that. Like, he's not wrong. I just, <laughs> he's not, like, that wrong, but, like, <laughs> it was just funny. Okay, but, like, in that quote, he said, everyone talks about the new generation coming and taking over us. Like, and then Nadal's sitting there like, why are you speaking for me? Tsitsipas just beat me in five sets. <laughs> <laughs> he just came back from two sets down and took me out, man. The new generation is definitely here. And honestly, I agree with what hypothetical Nadal has to say. <laughs> so, Yeah. So then, looking at his uh, semifinal match, defeating Aslan Karatsev, 6-3-6-4-6-2, I mean, the fact that people even included Karatsev as a person who had a chance to get to the final here definitely shows how worthy of an opponent he was supposed to be. I mean, this guy defeated multiple top 20 names consecutively, Schwarzman, Felix, Dimitrov, just banging them out one by one. And it was definitely a dream run for him nonetheless. I mean, this was his first Grand Slam main draw, and he made it to the freaking semifinals. And defeating Karatsev was Djokovic's 20th consecutive Australian Open win, and he said about the match, he, as in Djokovic, said, this is the best I've felt in the entire tournament. I had no pain, my best match by far. So again, by pain, bringing up that mystery abdominal <laughs> injury, which was supposed to be a tear. I mean, tear sounds pretty bad, but apparently Djokovic is like, 
banging his head against a wall. <laughs> yeah, Taylor Fritz is probably sitting at home being like, damn, if I had if I had really just, you know, hung in there for that fifth set, things could be so much different right now. Um but and also Karatsev is planning on playing some tour level events coming up soon too. Um, which is exciting um, to see him kind of break through in the rankings and hopefully carry this form. But going into the final, Novak Djokovic is seeking his record ninth Australian Open title. He already holds the record for most Australian Open titles. Um, and he's also searching for his 18th Grand Slam title. And he does have a lot of confidence. He said, of course, it gives me more confidence knowing I haven't lost here in the finals or semifinals. But that won't be the deciding factor. Both Tsitsipas and Medvedev will want their first Grand Slam title. I'm sure they'll do their best and I'll be ready for that. This was obviously before the Tsitsipas and Medvedev match. And then he said about Medvedev, speaking of high level, Medvedev is the guy. Playing is the highest level of playing the highest level of anyone in the last three or four months. It's going to be really interesting, always high intensity between them. I'm going to take the popcorn and enjoy it. And this was, again, about the Medvedev-Sitsipas match, but he was anticipating that Medvedev was the one to beat here, and he still is as we move on to this final. Medvedev and Djokovic have a really close head-to-head, actually, and Medvedev is at the top of his game right now, so that's definitely something to consider going into this match Medvedev dropped two sets en route to the final both against one player which was Krajinovic but has picked up his game since then and Djokovic has dropped five to four different players so he's not completely unstoppable just based on that information alone and this is going to be a difficult one for Djokovic but he is the Australian Open King maybe he could bring it just because it's the final and he is undefeated in those finals So, definitely stuff to consider here. Yeah, and looking to his opponent, Daniil Medvedev, he was someone, I mean, he literally seems unstoppable right now. Um, At the beginning of the tournament, I had predicted him to be the Australian Open champion, and now he's in the final. So, if he and Naomi win one more match, Josefina and I will each have one correct prediction um, for this tournament. So, that would be pretty exciting. Uh, Last time... We predicted Daniil Medvedev to win something, one of us. It was Josefina at the Nito ATP Finals, and that was out of nowhere. That was right after he had won Paris, but people were still like, oh, maybe that was a fluke. And he won that title, and he has been on the like he has been on a roll since. So in his semifinal match, he pretty much like totally dismantled Sitsipas 6-4, 6-2, 7-5. Um, Stefanos did look a little bit flat out there compared to his match versus Nadal, but, you know, nevertheless, it was a great run for the Greek. He said, today I showed that I'm not ready for a Grand Slam, but my opponent belongs to that category. I'm not here to find excuses. He played an excellent match. Let's hope for something better next time. I really hope it comes. So great attitude from Stefanos, and you can see that he has a lot of respect for his opponent and, you know, also sees that Daniil does have a capability to get his, get this title. Yeah, and also Medvedev played an amazing match with 46 winners to 21 unforced errors ratio. That's just ah, crazy. And he only got a serve Teach broken. <laughs> he only got a serve broken once and he hit 17 aces, won 88% of his first serve points. These are just some wow, these are some grueling statistics. Um and if you thought Naomi's that- 85% was good, Take a look at Daniil. Daniil like did one better, three better, and got eighty eight percent. So, both of them are really just these win streak people are really on a roll. And 
he hasn't had to face a five-setter just before the semis, so it's good that he has that physical advantage going into the final. And he extended his win streak to 20, just like Naomi. But what's even more remarkable is that about his win streak, though, is that it includes 12 top 10 wins. So, I mean, again, the guy to beat. So the majority of his wins in the streak have been against top 10 players again. So just wow. He's just been at the top of his game, definitely. And then going into this final, his head-to-head versus Djokovic is 3-4 to four with Djokovic leading, but Medvedev won their most recent meeting at Nito, 6-3, 6-3, and he has looked unstoppable since. So if he's playing that same level of tennis that he was playing at Nito, which he is since he's still undefeated, then he has a huge chance to beat Djokovic here. And then since 2019, Medvedev has won three out of five of their matches. Medvedev only started to really improve his form in 2019. And again, he's just been going up since then. And it's not like Medvedev hasn't been in a Grand Slam final before. He nearly won the 2019 U.S. Open but um, and stretched Nadal to five sets. So definitely um, some experience there going into this, actually. Yeah, I definitely would love to see him carry this form into the final and to see if that's enough to beat Djokovic. But, you know, Djokovic at the Australian Open, Djokovic at an Australian Open final is a whole different beast. What's so key about all these top players, like the big three, Serena, um, you know, these legends, is that they really bring their best tennis in the finals. So can Medvedev do it and, you know, handle... Djokovic here. I mean, sure, he beat him at Nito just recently, but again, this is a Grand Slam final. Um, Djokovic is really just at a heightened level and heightened mentality. Um, But Medvedev made a really good point, and I think that this is something similar to what we were talking about with uh, Jennifer Brady, too, going in as the underdog. He said, I don't have a lot of pressure because he never lost in eight times that he was in the final. It's him that has all the pressure, getting closer to Roger or Rafa in the Grand Slams. So I just hope that I'm going to sit out there Get out there, show my best tennis. As we see, I can win against some big names if I play well. That's the main part. He has, for sure, more experience, but more things to lose than me. So Medvedev, we know, is a pretty mentally tough player. He handles the crowd also pretty well. Honestly, tends to do better when the crowd is also against him. <laughs> um, but, you know, he as you said, Josefita, like he he knows he's been in this position before against Nadal at the U.S. Open. He was really close to winning that title. So, I mean, I definitely think that this is a big opportunity for him, and this is not going to be easy for either player. And with that comment saying that Djokovic is the one with all the pressure, he really pulled an Uno reverse card there, like a little reverse card moment on him. So, definitely somebody who's good at kind of manipulating the situation to work it towards his advantage. And if he does beat Djokovic, he would be only the third player to defeat a member of the Big Four in a Grand Slam final. Warenka and Del Potro have both done it before. And, I mean, I know Djokovic's sponsor is quite just confident in his win here. They even posted something saying, congratulations. What was it? Um, on the head web, Ben Rothenberg just pointed this out on the head website, um, which is the racket brand that uh, Djokovic uses. They posted 
like on the home page of their website a picture of Djokovic and it says congratulations to the nine-time Australian Open champion Novak Djokovic so they basically are assuming that he's already won or like that he's gonna win so that's a bit a bit presumptuous because I don't think I mean Daniil is gonna put up a fight we definitely like we're just gonna say it we want Medvedev to win like 100% he's our pick here but and he if there is a next gen player that can do it it's probably him so especially given his current form he's like we said this entire episode we've been saying he is the player to be even when it comes to Djokovic the Australian Open king so definitely kind of an underdog versus pro situation here going on in both finals and we look forward to both of them Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the Australian Open and, of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore Tennis Pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released in a few days where we will recap the Australian Open. And after that, we'll be providing you more coverage on the tournaments to come. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. That is, if you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't like it, please tell your friends my name is Ben and Shravi's name is Harry. See you next time.